President Bashar al-Assad of Syria seems, or should seem, like the stuff of which lifelong pariahs are made. Over the 12 years since Syria was first convulsed by the Arab Spring, Assad has destroyed his country to save himself. Of Syria's pre-war population of around 21 million, perhaps half a million are dead, including upwards of 300,000 civilians, and it is hard to know where to start guessing the numbers injured and or traumatised. Nearly 7 million people are displaced within Syria, nearly 6 million have left the country. The forces Assad has commanded and their Russian and Iranian allies have gassed residential suburbs, bombed hospitals and schools, committed murder, torture, kidnap and rape. This is a top-down organized effort. There are documents with his names on that clearly he organizes the, this strategy. We see reports back about, uh, uh, well, we've got a real problem here. There are too many corpses stacking up. So obviously atrocious was Assad's behaviour from so early in the conflict that in November 2011, just months after the beginning of Syria's war, Syria was suspended by the Arab League. We wish that there will be agreement between the opposition and the government of Syria. Uh, if it doesn't happen... What is our next move? Affronting the standards of the Arab League is an accomplishment. This is an organisation which includes several notably brutal and repressive regimes, Saudi Arabia only the most obvious. For all the violence and terror enacted or sponsored by its members since the Arab League was founded in 1945, only three nations have ever been suspended. Syria in 2011, Libya at around the same time for broadly similar reasons, but only for the few months before Libya's unlamented leader Muammar Gaddafi met the fate Assad was desperate to avoid. And more tellingly vis-à-vis the Arab League's norms and values, Egypt, sin-binned for a decade after 1979 for signing a peace treaty with Israel. This is certainly one of the happiest moments in my life. It is a historic turning point of great significance for all peace-loving nations. Earlier this month, however, Syria was reinstated, and late last week, President Bashar al-Assad was an honoured invitee at the Arab League Bino in Jeddah, greeted warmly and deliberately publicly by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who was perhaps looking forward to exchanging tips, re the luridly gruesome disposal of critics. And Assad was very much not there as one of those guests that you kind of feel you have to invite but stick up the back near the kitchen door at the table of awkward uncles, weirdo cousins and insane but wealthy elderly and encouragingly infirm great aunts. He was offered centre stage to make a speech. This turned out to be pretty much what might have been expected. Heavy on the furious self-justification and paranoid whining, lighter on such themes as regret and reconciliation. If there was a point to Assad's turgid burble, it was to the effect that it should be none of anyone else's damn business what a particular tyrant chooses to drop on his fellow citizens. Assad heralded an opportunity for the Arab League to, as he put it, rearrange our affairs with the least amount of Western influence. Clearly enjoying himself, he went on to call the West devoid of principles, morals, friends or partners. So there. 
It is clear enough why Assad wanted readmission to the Arab League. He wants to be treated once more as the recognised leader of a respected nation, and he needs help rebuilding what he helped to wreck. Though Arab League sources have been careful to stress, at least for public consumption, that nobody wants to disregard the sanctions imposed on Syria and those who try to do business with it by the United States. The more interesting question is why the Arab League wants Assad back. A good many members of the Arab League have, after all, at various points during Syria's conflict, backed the forces trying to remove him. And it is not like Syria's war is entirely over. Chunks of Syria are still controlled by rebel factions, ranging the spectrum from plausible secular democrats to seething Islamist headbangers, backed by outside powers including Turkey, Russia, Iran and the United States, to say nothing of reasonably regular airstrikes launched by Israel and less frequent ones by Jordan. There's not really one big answer to this, but there are a bunch of small ones. There's a basic policing issue. The Arab League wants Syria to crack down on its profitable trade in the popular and addictive amphetamine Captagon, which has become a key revenue source for Assad's government. The targets of Jordan's air raids of earlier this month were a well-known Captagon trafficker and a Captagon production facility. There's a grand strategic one. Saudi Arabia is clearly keen to entrench itself as the region's default leader, with a view to promoting business-friendly stability. The welcoming back of Assad can be seen as an extension of recent conciliatory outreach from Saudi Arabia to Iran and Qatar. Though Qatar, it is worth noting, does not appear enthused about Syria's return, nor do Kuwait and Morocco. Indeed, Qatar's emir, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, made a point of being seen to walk out before Assad spoke. There were reasons for the suspension of Syria from the Arab League and the boycott of the Syrian regime at that time. And these reasons still exist, according to us, in the state of Qatar. Saudi Arabia may also believe, and may not be wrong, that reincorporating Assad into the Arab realm will make it more difficult for Iran to continue throwing its weight around in Syria. And there's a signal being sent by the Arab League to a West that it often sees as meddling and hypocritical, to the effect that you can't tell us how to run our region. The Arab League may be the limit of Assad's rehabilitation for the moment. France's Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna doubtless spoke for much of the West when she reiterated her view that the only forum at which Assad should be explaining himself is in The Hague. But expedience does have a way of trumping any squeamish concerns about the blood on the hands one is shaking, as nobody knows better than the Saudis. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.